Yeah, I um, I always take everybody's inventory on kids while my dogs are barking out of control. <laughs> that sounds fair. I love right? it. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Gay Ergos podcast. My name is Lizzie Houston and I am everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And my name is Kiro Sullivan, and I'm a self-proclaimed coffee snob. And we have a very exciting guest with us today, Simone Azur, who is the president of the Chicago Rowing Union. Simone, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're so excited that you're here. You're you're one of our esteemed guests, I would say, for Pride Month. We we really tried to hype up and try not to talk to people we know. Um, so this is super exciting for us. You know, we've never met, but I actually to be honest, had never heard about the Chicago Rowing Union until we'd started kind of tapping into our network a little bit. So for any of our listeners who don't know anything about it, can you tell us a little bit about your club? Um, yeah, of course. Uh, in 2005, the Gay Games came to Chicago and there were a group of um, eight or nine men, probably 10, I would suspect, that decided they wanted to be part of the rowing aspect of the Gay Games and they had never rowed before. So they got a boat and they found a boathouse and um, started practicing on, um, we, we have a, um, it's like a ditch, but it's um, part of a spinoff from, it's on the North branch of Chicago. And they were, they were really smart in incorporating us and getting our nonprofit status and um, building a really strong base. They haven't rode with the team for a number of years, but the work that they did allowed us to continue on and to, um, you know, expand. And, you know, we, it's like every rowing club, you get big and you get small, you get big and small. And um, so this last past year with COVID, we, uh, it almost closed down and, and um, I, that's where I learned to row. And so I was rowing with another team and I just, it broke my heart to think that this club was going to just kind of come apart. So with, no board and four rowers. We um, we just went got back on the we just got back in the saddle and I agreed to be president and we just started building and now we're I think with Coxwains coaches and rowers we probably have about forty five people coming up from four and wow. part of the reason why it's a four is because one of our guys is about six three and we didn't have a pair for him and it's like what are we going to do with David he's so tall but um and he's and he stayed on and he's uh he's actually uh just taking over as a treasurer so filling a board filling coach slots filling cock slots filling rower slots and the first learn to row was just me and one other gal. We were hanging posters up in uh, gay neighborhoods in Chicago and Andersonville and Boys Town. Um, so that was that was a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work, but it, a labor of love. Wow, from four to forty in what a couple of years? You said the pandemic hit you guys hard, or um, since the um, it's one year since June. We our first learn to row was May of last year, and wow. I had um, the four people that were standing there also loved the team. And so they were willing to row with novices. Uh, so our first, our first summer, we just had um, four experienced rowers in with four or five novices and just slowly brought them up. And I have a, I have a coach, Molly Halverson, who's, um, who has experience in Grand Rapids and, and she's a really, she's an amazing master's coach. 
And so she's been helping me and been, has been really supportive and filling in and trying to coach and do all her, she's a, you know, she's like in her thirties. So she has a life and a job, whereas I'm, I, I don't have, my job is the, the organization, even though I don't get paid, I work more for it. It's like, I've never worked with art for my life and I'm not even getting paid for it, but it's fine. It's a good, it's a good organization. So I hope that helps. That started in 2005 and we're coming up on almost like it's getting close to 20 years. Wow. And, and I, I think that there's um the <clears throat> another gay team in the U.S. And it used, there used to be the San Francisco Blades, but I, I Googled them and I think their website's now. So I don't I'm not sure what happened with those guys, but it's hard. It gets harder. And as time goes and it gets more open, the world gets more open being specific, like finding a specific, you know, like you can't, it's, you can't really target like just a gay population anymore because not, you know, you're the odds of getting 40 gay people to come and roll with you are not necessarily, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. I always think that's interesting. Don't you like with race and, and, and gender and all that stuff, it's like, we're trying to be all inclusive, but you know, you say, I want to make this a gay organization. And it's like, at some points you have like 30% gay and, you know, then the other percentage is like, I have no idea, but it's mostly allied. It's mostly, you know, it's just, that's the part that's nice is that we're gay. And if people don't like that, they usually don't sign up. (laughs) This is actually not the room for you if you don't like it. That's why. I think you're you over the, there. Right, right. Exactly. Humble part yeah. of the three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. Go ahead, Lizzie. No, go. I just, I love that you brought that up because we had a very similar conversation with Philip at BC Strokes as well as where we're seeing these spaces dwindle, but is it because they're just dwindling since the world is becoming more open? Like there are less of these spaces because it's, a more welcoming environment, whether it's boathouses or we talked about bars in cities. Like in Boston, I've noticed that they've been closing down. And you know, he mentioned that in, in DC that gay bars have been closing down too. And it's it's wonderful, but it's also like it's wonderful, obviously, that things are becoming more inclusive, but at the same time, I would love more spaces where I can walk in and be like, oh, I, I know that we share a lot of similar backgrounds and we're in this community together so while while I recognize that it's it is a great thing that we're the world is being more progressive in certain places like there is this lack of space in in our world and in the world in general you know not just in rowing that you know we need to expand I think a little bit more or we get to create these spaces like this podcast or the meme page or rowing clubs and I think that's amazing but I it does it is really great that you you do have that perspective and you brought that up yeah it's you know, it's like, where are all the gays? I mean, but I I came from Montana, North Dakota, Idaho, and Washington State. And I just moved out here to get my master's degree. And, you know, in those areas at the time when I lived there, there wasn't, there wasn't any room in space for any of that. So even though that there, it, it's more, there's more space for us here in the, in larger areas. I think what we're sort of shifting to, like, 
like I have a couple of coxes on my um, on my team that are um, 16, 17 year old kids who want practice um, because they row with Nutrier. And so they want practice in the summer to stay in a boat and to stay in an eight. And it's a different experience for them because they're not teaching high school kids they're teaching master rowers. And so their communication style has to change and their um, expectations have to change. And, you know, masters are hard to keep motivated because they just think, you know, they, it's like rowing Miss Daisy sometimes. It's like, I'm just here to look at the deer. And it's like, well, you kind of have to use your legs once in a while, because otherwise we're just going to go in a circle. But, but they're, they're not gay kids, but because of the way society is starting to change now, they probably have gay friends or they know gay people, or they might have two gay parents. And so they're, they join the team and they're not nervous about like, what are my friends going to say that I'm, co I'm coxing a bunch of, you know, a bunch of queers. It's like, not even that. It's just, it's not, it's like a Tuesday for them, which I think is great because then we expose them at that age to a different population of people. And then hopefully when they grow up and go off into their own lives, they're able to bring that experience. And if they're in a small community, then maybe they'll be a friend to some little gay person or, or LGBTQA person and they'll be able to be okay and to tell other people it's no big deal these guys you know it's fine it's not like in the old days yeah so I, I love that with the kids that we have I think that's awesome um Lizzie and I are both college coaches as well and I will say any coxswains we get that get to work with masters they know their shit like I I love when young high schoolers get to co cox masters because masters rowers like you guys you will not put up with anything. <laughs> well, so, I love it. You know you can't like say the same type of things to a high school kid that you can say and and say to a master. They're like I'm a grown ass woman and I don't need to be talked like this. And it's like yeah, but you know he's a 17 year old boy. Just like teach him how you want to be spoken to. Like and. We had like tiny issues at the very beginning, but for the most part, they just adjusted. And one of my one of my kids, I got a hold of his mom because I wanted to say, "Hey, I got your kid, and he's fine." And he had to take the ACT test, which is kind of comical because we're all, you know, we're all um, professionals, or we've all worked, or we've all been done. And so we have this little kid that is like working for his um, ACT. So. I went out and got a bag of like chocolate and gummy bears and pretzels and like a stress bag and brought it over to his house. And he was like so excited. And his mom was like, who are you people? And it's like, you're treating my son like, like giving him such an amazing experience. And everybody, I mean, everybody just loves him. And he, so it's good. like, you have, all of a sudden you have 40 big brothers and sisters that's who are so cool. watching your every move. But yeah, that, we haven't done that historically. Crew had not tapped into the Nutrier or Loyola or Northwestern or any of the, the um, coxswains that were in our boathouse. And as you know, coxswains are like unicorns. They're colorful and, and not very, and they hide. They're like meerkats. <laughs> <laughs> I love that description. That's so true. It's oh. so true. They're very, they're stealthy. They're either like 
very loud and they want you to know they're there or like they're stealthy and they'll come up on you and they're like, oh my God. (laughs) 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 Oh my God, I didn't see you there. You must be a cox. That's so cool. The the two voices, the um, hands on, and then there's, hi, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) And high schoolers are so like that. It's amazing. You hear a little high school gal and it's just a little tiny voice, but then when you're commanding the boat, it's like, I know. get your hands on. What are you guys doing? It's just screaming at everybody. Like they're like this big. It's amazing <laughs> to see their personality differences, like on and off the water. Like you have, you, like they're so quiet on the water, and then they're off the water, and then all of a sudden they're on, and they are like drill sergeant going <laughs> at it, beating yeah. you up on the water, and then they come back and go, like, hi. hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> This is my favorite. Um, I'm I'm curious about the the population of your group. Is it mainly like older masters rowers? Um, No, it's between, I think, because I always like try to grab college kids that are home for the summer. So I'll grab them and say, I'll make, I'll give you a student rate if you want to come and row to get on the water. And if um if somebody's coming home and their their parent will reach out to us or something like that, I'm always trying to recruit. So in the summertime, we can have anywhere between like the age of 20, probably 25 rowers or like 25 up to 65. Wow. And and the skill level is somewhat different, but not really. And and if you're a person that's over 60, then if you can pull your weight and just, you know, and then that cox, that 10 pounds that they're packing around, if you can pull that, then you have your, uh, you'll have like a master's handicap, hmm. which is, that's kind of what happened in um, DC where we had, we had one guy that was 42, which blows the crap out of your master's um, handicap. But then when you put my butt in the boat, it's like, oh, now suddenly <laughs> we're, back in the, we're back in the mix. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> and that's it's awesome if you have like equal boats you know it's it's crappy when you have like a 16 17 second handicap and you have you're racing in 35 year olds and they don't have a handicap yeah. and you blow them out of the water but i mean you have that much time you could order a pizza by the time you know at the beginning in 16 or 17 seconds so that doesn't always feel great but you know you're that's on so cool. you're still on the water so that's fun yeah absolutely it sounds I like a have really a, fun group. Yeah, they they are fun. And we try, you know how um, rowing teams can have a tendency to kind of eat themselves from within um, with the drama. There's a lot of high strung, high, you know, double A personalities. And um, we've really tried to keep that at bay and just like you be there, be a supportive team member. And, you know, this is not the Olympics. Yeah. You're just pull, pull. Why are you talking? <laughs> you be pulling? Just stick the blade in and go. <laughs> yeah, so is cool. this conversation going to make the boat go faster? Because it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. Right. Oh, and as man. You hear a lot of different things and you try to sort it out, you know, so that you're not listening to the junk and you're listening to the fun. Yeah. And I will say, not- like, having those younger high schoolers, I mean, you mentioned, you know, they might not be queer people, but, and they might know somebody who is, but I think there's like a lot to be said about meeting older people in the queer community, because like, I have, I maybe only know like 
two or three not straight people who are over the age of like 30. But right. I know plenty that are my age, but I don't know that many that are a master's level rower age, you know? And I think that's like, it's weirdly, I think you guys are unicorns. <laughs> it's kind of hard to come by. And I think it's really cool like that we now know you. And if I were a high schooler, if I found out like my friend was coxing for a queer rowing community and that they were older, I'd be like, I want to know them. Yes. I think, I mean, I think it, it, and I have to admit that it's, it, the part of the pull for me to get involved with crew is that at my age, I get to hang out with um, 30 year olds and 25 year olds. And I get invited to parties with where I'm clearly the oldest person in the room. But when you're talking about rowing, you can just talk trash and that has no real age because, you know, and especially with like with gay men or with not so not so much with gay women, but but um, rowing is can be so filthy if you get in the boat and you start to listen to your language from a different perspective. <laughs> and when I realized that, I was like, "Oh my God, this boat, this this language is filthy," but it's also fun because you know everything you say, you can just be like giggly. <laughs> It's so true. <laughs> I mean, Lizzie's the queen of this. <laughs> yes, and you try hard to not give your hand away, but it's like, okay, this is the shaft. And it's like, okay, here we go. Now what are you going <laughs> to do? Is any boat straps? Right. Don't get <laughs> try not to get your shaft wet. Don't catch like, a crab. Yes, don't catch crabs. And and I like I just gave one. I I have trophies for the first learn to row that catches a crab, and because everybody always is fearful of that, you know. And so when I was learning to row, I was so afraid of catching a crab that I thought I'm going to just try to make this fun. And so I'll like really bring home the crab catching a crab. We have a trophy, and so when people get crabs, they're just like at the end, and I hand out the trophy. They're so excited and. Everybody else is like, oh my God, you caught a crab in there. And, and this last one, we had two people in separate boats at different times catch a crab. And, um, but the one woman that caught the first one caught like four during the whole thing. And I said, you know, anybody that tells you that they just caught one crab is probably lying. Because <laughs> if you catch a crab, you're not going to catch a crab. You catch crabs. Everybody knows that. And I mean, and all the adults in the room start laughing because it's like, yeah. And it's like, yeah, not that crab, but definitely click crabs. So it's fun. It's a good, it's a good group. Yeah. When did you start rowing? Oh my God. You know, I was walking through um, Andersonville at, um, at the Summerfest in Chicago, which is like a big, Andersonville is the, was the primarily the lesbian or, um, neighborhood, gay women, mostly, um, because it was not, it was a small Swedish community. The rent was cheap. It, there was like some crime, a lot of trash. And so the women moved in because it was cheap and they could afford it and they cleaned it up and then they moved to Cheetah Gym in. And I thought that's the end of it. And now it's, um, it's expanded and so it's really mixed. But I was walking down the street and this tall, handsome, man came up to me and said, Hey, have you ever wrote? And I thought, no, but I, I always thought it was beautiful. And he goes, here, sign up for our, um, we were um, raffling a free learn to roll program. 
And he's like one of my good friends right now. When I went to DC this last weekend, I hung out with him the whole time, but that was probably, I want to say like 12 or 13 years ago. And I stayed with crew for probably maybe 10 years of that. And then I went and rode with a master's team that was more competitive, but not as much fun. And, um, you know, and you get a lot of hardware, but that's not really at my age. I'm mostly there for the fun. I mean, the medals are nice, but that's not the reason anymore. So I, and then crew started struggling. So I just left that group and I'm still getting hardware. Obviously DC strokes went there, brought home the gold, got stopped at the airport. <laughs> you do that on purpose, right? It's like, Oh, this piece of metal stops everything. You just have it in your pocket. Do you get metal in your pocket? Oh, I do. oh my gosh that's great yeah so it I mean he and he was instrumental and they were he was the guy that they used to roll in the morning they were the men's competitive team and and you know like I it got to a point where they would they would ebb or flow down to like seven men rowing in the morning and I just on a whim said hey I'll come and fill a seat if you guys don't mind, you know, like this bow person, because they were six foot four and six foot two. And I'm, I'm on a good day. I'm six, five, six on a good day. I used to be five, eight, but, um, you know, you're, I had my hips replaced and my back fused. So you lose height. And sometimes I would just be like holding the boat, like not really just standing there with my arms up, uppy, uppy. And, um, they didn't care. They were like, no, I mean, you, if you pull your weight, you can row with us. Come on. So I got to row just me and, and seven men. And that was super fun because it's a whole different power game when you're in a boat doing that with a bunch of um, big ass men who, who are just, and it was also interesting because I, I was driving to practice once and I got um, like a road rage from a guy and he was screaming at me and calling me all these really horrible names. My anxiety was up and, you know, I was like screaming back and I pulled into the boathouse and I was like, I just got cut off by this guy. And he said, all, you know, he was like saying all these terrible things to me. And I walked into my little group of male rowers and they were like, oh, come here, you poor thing. Who was that asshole? And it was such a different contrast because I left like this white, privileged, angry, Archie Bunker type and walked into these loving arms of all these tall men who were like, let's go beat him up. I'm like, yeah, let's go beat him up. So that was nice. It's nice to have that kind of support when you return. The community of rowing and is just, it's amazing. I, I mean, I feel like Indeed. even if I don't know someone super well, for some weird reason, I know that they'll have my back if I need something, which is, I, I mean, I really don't have that many friends outside of rowing. And, Me either. <laughs> and they're, but the friends I do have in rowing are amazing, amazing people. And I'm so grateful for all of them. Right. They're almost like siblings because there's times when you yeah. are. Like you could literally, I'm, I'm going to gunnel walk and punch you in the throat. If you don't do this <laughs> afterwards, you're like, that was a pretty decent role. It's like, you didn't seem like you were having fun. I'm like, yeah, I was having fun. I was just in the boat. So that's when, you know, Igor comes out. Yeah. Oh, that, that angry rower. 
No, absolutely. I, I, that resonates with me too. <laughs> Lizzie, I feel like I'm looking in like a future mirror. <laughs> oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm sure. I'm sure. If I'm not running some LGBTQ plus something by that point, if I'm not doing this anymore, like something's wrong. <laughs> right. It is, it is truly fun and you do get a nice um, sense of community. And like I said, I feel lucky because none of my, the, my friends, my age, they're not going down to Halstead street and hanging out with, you know, a bunch of Gen Xers who are part, you know, celebrating their 32nd birthday. I mean, I have shoes that are 32. <laughs> so I feel blessed and I feel lucky that I get to hang out with those guys wow. in that capacity. I love that you're with a club where you can have fun. And I, my first really big impression of like what master's rowing was like was when I was rowing at Vesper. Um, we were training with the high performance group and we were like, in on the ergs, like doing some really hard workout and in come the masters after their morning row and they, they wander over to the bar and they have their cake and their cocktails and mimosas in the morning. I'm like dying on the erg. Like, why don't we get that? <laughs> Where's our mimosas? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a fine line, right? Because you have to be careful. Like I, I, there was a lot of privilege on the, in the masters team that I rode in and before, after a crew, and I went with this other team, and and um, you know, it's it would be impossible for anybody else to be able to row in that situation if you didn't have if you didn't have privilege and you didn't and you had time because like the the time that they practice is like when most people are getting ready for work. But if it's a bunch of women that that are either retired or they're raising kids, so they don't have to necessarily hold a full time job, then then it becomes kind of, it does become privileged. And, and you have to be careful of that because I mean, for me, I, being Native American, I grew up in a small community where, where there's definitely the haves and the have nots. And I was um, a bit of an athlete. So I, I got, and I'm light complexion as opposed to my mother and my, a couple of my siblings. So you can kind of pass and, in rowing, if you're like on our club, I feel like I don't know what people do for a living. I don't know what their financial status is. I don't know if they're, you know, if I know if they're struggling because I, we do scholarships and, and that's an important aspect of, of um, crew is that we, we have scholarships and we can make, um, we can, if somebody can't afford to row, and they want to row, we can get them in a boat. And, and the other, other team members, their dues will cover that. And, and that wasn't the case, that wouldn't have been the case in the other one. It's definitely very Caucasian and I have all flavors and colors and financial. I have all education, I have waiters, I have CEOs, I have everything, but that's not, that's not the focus. That's not the important part. And I'm a bricklayer's daughter, so I try to do everything on the cheap. And so they always think that we don't, that we're broke and, and we're not, I mean, we're not certainly absolutely wealthy, but we live below our means. And, and so we're able to do other things and include other people and not have to worry about what their, what their financial said. And they don't all look the same. They don't all look blonde, blue eyed, 
you know, statuesque. My, I've got four club memberships, you know, not, they're not like that. Yeah. Which is nice. Cause that, that attracts a different population of people too. And it makes and the sport so much better. Yeah. I wrote on both teams and, and uh, I, I can hang in any of those groups, but I feel it's more fun to be with the, the youngins, you know, that are trying, they can't pay their rent. It's like, I don't miss that, but I don't care. It's like, I know you can't pay your rent, but just get in the boat. We'll be fine. Let's just go have some fun. So that's, that's a great option to have as a club and as an inclusive club. But, you know, you have, it's just like anything. You, you try to be very, very inclusive, but you also have to have a certain skill set when you're, because otherwise that is disrupting to a boat. And then the people that are wanting to row, you know, if you put in, if you have five rowers that have been rowing for 20 years and you're constantly throwing and learn to row people or whatever, then that's frustrating for them. So, you know, everything you have to try to balance it out, but you want to do it in an equal way. Mm. It's a fun club. Yeah, it sounds it. I'm like about to move to Chicago. Yesterday I was moving to DC. Today I'm moving to Chicago. (laughs) Looks like we're gonna have to make some rounds through the country now. And DC has been real. DC really did well this year too. They, I couldn't believe how many people they have and how they're building. They're doing the same thing. They're as we did. We, I don't know that they bottomed out at four rowers with no board, but, but I think they did pretty well. And their regatta was super fun. I can't wait till next year when we can go and we can have boats and we can just play and stay for the after party because that's like 100% of the fun at DC is the after party. And I had to get back, so I couldn't stay there for that. But um, I was I was looking forward to one year we went and did um, gay square dancing, which is hysterical because you're trying to figure out like who's, who's leading. Like, <laughs> there's no rules right and so so you have a bunch of rowers with a aggressive personalities and you're trying to figure out who's going to lead and you so you like i'm gonna lead no i'm gonna lead and then we sort of like okay fine you lead and then all of a sudden you'll hear you know you're leading again it's like <laughs> oh crap i'm leading so that's fun to try to figure out that's so oh cool. I already have it marked down on my calendar for next year. I've never been to Stonewall Regatta, but it's on my list. I will train for it. Lizzie and I are going to go. We'll be there. I'm so excited. I know. I can't wait. You'll be like, at the last minute, Philip will text everybody and say, hey, we have like a renegade. I know everything's closed, but we have a renegade team that wants to just jump in at the last minute. Can you cox? And bless their hearts for doing it because they were like so excited. And then when we got done and I, I, I said, I wonder how we did. And the Cox goes, I think we won. And I was like, no. It's <laughs> like, yes. Like, well, this has never been a lineup, never been the Cox. We had an older boat. So that thing was heavy, but who cares? We had fun. We got a t-shirt. We, oh, they also give you a bottle of wine when you win. We did hear that. That's awesome. So cool. Why don't, why isn't all regatta? <laughs> I know there's, um, there's a New England regatta that gives out maple syrup. So yeah, I'm, I'm down with syrup. any type of food wins. Like, I'm like, that's, that's a race I'm going to do. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's, uh, it's, it's Green Mountain Head. I think they do maple syrup and apple, like bags of apples for like 
second and third. Like, absolutely. I would take food any day. We'll roll for food. <laughs> wow. That should be a t-shirt for sure. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah. I, um, I get tired and I think to myself, I wonder what would happen if I just quit. And it's like, you know, you can't just quit, but you get tired and you just say, I'm, I, I can't do this. And then you find just a little bit more. It's like racing, right? Yeah. It's like 10 more strokes. I thought, I thought it was going to be like three. I already gave you my last 10. And those are boxes. It's because they lie to you. I know. You guys they are straight like, up lie. Yes. You lie just without any, you're not even ashamed of it. That's they got to get us to the end. <laughs> That's the real reason. It's like, I'm going to throw that bastard in the water. We just can't take it anymore. <laughs> That's why we toss them in after. You're so right. <laughs> yes. It all it's, makes sense. It's the only real reason why we want to win is because the real joy is tossing the, tossing the cocks. Yeah. See, right away. All that stuff sounds filthy. I, I was following... Um, uh, fat ergos for a while and they were doing some really funny things but I don't I haven't seen them so in a while the men's team yeah yeah Sam Weeks was um, our coach one year and I took a picture I saw I ran into him at the Charles once and I took a picture with him and it was literally you could see my eyes and you could see the bottom part of his mouth because <laughs> he's so much taller than me and his yeah, voice they're tall dudes oh my god you, have you met him before I've seen like when they were going rogue at uh, regattas where they would like sneak in with all their merch before I think they got picked up by jail. Like they'd be there and then they'd stand up and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> he is a beast. He's like, I mean, seriously, Timber. He's a big guy and he's super, super nice. But that's another thing too, is like we've had a lot of straight coaches and they just, they know crew is a gay team and it's you know, there's not that paranoia or guilt by association or whatever. And so that's, you know, it's just like those small things, right? That clubs do, you just educate without really meaning to, but if people can hang out in that space, then they, they at least get an, a positive experience. And they realize that like I, some of my new rowers last year said, I've never really been around um, groups of gay people or any of the LGBTQ community. And it's, it took me a minute to figure out because the trash talk, right? So it took them a minute to figure out that all that stuff was just fun. And then this year, she's like making Ruben marks to me and like trash talking my strength and my legs. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> That's my line. You're not supposed to use my, you're not supposed to use my gay stuff against me. <laughs> He's like, well, it doesn't take, it didn't take me long. No kidding. Only so, I'm allowed to be homophobic. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Oh, now man. I have all these straight people talking about being, <laughs> yes, are like sneering. Oh, they're just homophobic. And I'm like, oh my God, you said that so perfectly. <laughs> that's like the look down their eyes. So yeah, that's fun to be able to educate the, the population of people that have never really experienced that. Because it's one thing to be supportive, but it's another thing to be 
immersed in all that stuff and to be perfectly fine with it and to not and then not think that you're on a on a different planet. You're on the same planet. You're just in a different, funnier, more glamorous crop. <laughs> you just leveled like, up. Yeah, you leveled up. You you yassified <laughs> rowing. Yes, yes. I've, I've been thinking about trying figuring out how I have a set of old blades, and I've been thinking about how much work it would take for me to sand them and put like a gay flag on it. Um, That's what I have. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah, with the with the triangle and all that stuff. I just did. I just I, I wrote at Riverside in Boston where our stripes are blue. But for Pride Month last year, I painted one of my just the front of one of my blades rainbow because it was too much effort to do all of them. But I, I have, know. I, yeah, I have I, I have three blue stripes and then one pride. And I was like, this is this is good enough. Yeah. I'm gonna leave it. But I'll send you what I did. It, it's it was awesome. I love what having you it. You start out thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna have these gay blades, and then you think. Yeah, that's just so much work. Yeah. It took me a whole afternoon. Privilege to just like snap and get it done. (laughs) I have a a set of blades here that um, I need to paint. And I had said to my friend, like, wouldn't it be cool to get like the full inclusion flag, like with the chevron and everything? And he was like, you've clearly never painted blades before because that would be so hard. Well, I was actually dreaming about it last night. I was thinking about blue, you know, blue stripes uh, paint tape and because that's how I got through college was um painting and drywall and all that stuff which was tough because I was um I also did martial arts I wish I would have found rowing at that age but I um when martial arts first started at the in the um Olympics in 1908 well I'm not even gonna say the words but they started and I got to go to the trials for taekwondo and I got my ass handed to me, but I got in the room. So I was pretty excited about that. But I also painted when I was going to college and I was thinking how many layers would I have to do on a gay blade? You know, like spray it, rip off that layer, spray it, rip off another layer and not contaminate all the other blades. It probably weighed 300 pounds, but <laughs> it sure looked pretty. <laughs> I'll let you know if I figure it out. I don't know if I will, but I'll try. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do a YouTube right how to make a gay blade yeah it'll be could be one of our tutorial videos one day <laughs> <laughs> don't hey. forget the letter yeah <laughs> awesome. line, line the the competitors with our glitter from our blades oh it'll lock up while they're steering you're only allowed to go straight you can't steer anywhere <laughs> yeah that's the only way it's like oops uh oh welcome to the club you have to curve off well we i'm sure we could talk for hours on end um which means we'll just have to have you back for another episode but i want to respect everyone's time a little bit so we have some repeat questions that we ask all of our guests that we would love to throw your way all right go so the the first question is what character was your gay awakening what character was my gay awakening? Oh, wow. I, I have never been asked that question before. And any character? Like my, our generation is very much so like Kira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean or like this one person on this TV show or this person from this book. So like any, when did you realize you were not straight and who did it to you? Right? You know what? Mine was probably music because- Ooh. 
That was um, back in the old days, we used to get um, music for albums and stuff. And there was a woman by the name of um, Meg Christian who wrote a song called Ode to a Gym Teacher. And the song starts out, um, she was a big, tough woman, the first to come along that showed me being female meant that you could still be strong. And I learned that thing, like, and because the refrain was, um, um, let's see, how did it go? She was a big, tough woman, the first to come along that showed me being female meant you still could be strong. And, and then she's like, and no graduation meant that we'd have to part, should always be a player in the ball field of my heart. And you used to get like um, album cover albums in like little brown bags. And it was, oh, and now it's a, a, a cruise line, but it used to be Olivia Records. And she was probably the first one. But um, because my gym teacher, who I've known now for so many years, she's finally retired. I still go see her when I'm in Florida and she was the first person I probably ever had a crush on, but I didn't know what that was. You know, you, you have no idea what, why you, why you're so upset because she won't talk to you, but, <laughs> but we've been friends for, we've been friends for years and I literally do still go see her after all these years and then may christian comes out with that song and it's like so true because so seventh grade oh i didn't God. know how to work but until i got to college but it was the same type of thing you know college because it never occurred to me until college that it was you know you don't it's not i didn't you didn't even have a word for it yeah. wow. yes all right what's the other question what is your favorite boat to row and why i think like a uh, in a every any boat really that is set is like so much less <laughs> and and but i will say that when i was rowing with the men's and i'm in a row in a men's um quad this coming weekend and i it's so much fun with all the power um yeah. that's behind it and so i would say definitely a set boat is like it it literally is heaven when you can hear the you hear the roll up and you hear the blades all go in and the water's nice and cool and calm. It's, it's like that thing that you always chase. And it, but again, it's like a meerkat, right? You get it like maybe once every, once every practice, maybe if you're lucky, it was like, well, that was nice. <laughs> That's awesome. What about the rest? Oh, the rest was a hot oh. mess, but that last <laughs> was sweet. You just need that little stretch and then you forget the rest of it. <laughs> Right. But that's life, right? Like I was teaching my learner rowers this last week and I said, um, taking a stroke is like taking a step. You don't like stop because you trip. You just, you got to keep going and, and it might not be the prettiest step, but it's going to get you to the next place. And so that's the same with rowing. You have to just forgive yourself and move on. And I think that's probably like life. You know, sometimes you just have to forgive yourself and move on. Yeah. But a nice set boat is my idea of a of bliss. And unfortunately, I, it's only happened like once in a blue moon. Fair. Awesome. But so being a true masters, I can blame it on anything. <laughs> I can't Not wait. your fault. Oh, right. <laughs> the pitch is off. The spread is off. The collar is broken. My tracks are stuck. I actually had a, a rower in front of me have her seat or wheel fall off her carriage in the middle of a rug in the middle of a regatta and 
So I have, we had a bow pair and I, in a, a 16 year old Cox who I she kept the line judge was like, get off the trail, get off, get off. And I looked at her and I was like, no. And I took the seat off. I took the wheel, put it back on the carriage, pounded on the um, rigger, put the seat back in and we took off and we didn't take last. I mean, it was, hey. somebody was like, what happened to you out there? And I'm like, literally a wheel fell off. <laughs> <laughs> not, not did it fall off the track and it's like no it fell off the I looked at it I'm like that's not right and you know it's the regatta so you're racing but yeah. my little 16 year old did not listen to the to the um mind judge it was just like mm, I'm listening to my two seat or my three seat whatever she says goes so she's more um, powerful yeah. than you are 16 year old girl saying I'm not doing it it was fun <laughs> Awesome. And it's one of the few races I actually remember. You know how you do and you get medals and you do all that stuff? I remember that particular race yeah. for sure. The whole thing was fun. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. All right. What? I'm yeah, we've two more questions. Um, <laughs> one, if you weren't rowing, what sport would you want to be really good at? Well, I, rowing is my second sport, right? Like taekwondo was my first sport and I have a, I have a six degree black belt. So I, I competed and I did all that stuff for years and years. And I think that combining that they're like comparing the two for sure. I wished I would have been rowing first because I since had two hip replacements and my back fused probably because of the impact and the trauma from, you know, the um, hitting things and then standing still kicking stationary bags and that stuff. So rowing would have been, rowing would have been my first choice and taekwondo was my i never thought i'd stop taekwondo but i have so that i can row but i wish i would have i would when i went to washington state university they had a rowing team and i didn't i thought i'm not getting up at four (laughs) i'm gonna be hung over and second of all i'll probably still be impaired so negative but i wish i would have it would have made so much difference in everything you know I probably would have finished college at Washington State had I not had I got up at 4 a.m and went rowing but no I I was getting in at 4 a.m from not rowing it was not the time it was not your calling at the time (laughs) right exactly that's a very nice way to put it but I know it doesn't answer your question but it's kind of I I should have been rowing and I was I was kicking bags and people had a few issues to work out. <laughs> so and cool. You know what? You found it. You found it along the way, and now here you are. And we're right. we're so happy that you found it. And I'm sure everybody else in your community is very very happy that you found it. So thank you, thank you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Rounding <laughs> out the field on our last question: What is the race course that has disrespected you the most? Oh my God. The Cuyahoga, I, my, um, my, my Orlock wasn't snapped in. So, you know, what happens when that happens. Um, the, the, um, Rockford, we lost the wheel completely. The, oh my God. The, and, uh, Charles probably, uh, <laughs> everybody love, you know, everybody loves the Charles and they love all that stuff. And, and there's been times when we've had bad lines and so you end up you know instead of the the 4,000 plus meters you're actually doing 8,000 meters 
because it's like I think we're supposed to be going on the inside track, not that outside one. But Charles probably has been my, the most elusive. Yeah, and, the, and the Charles know, disrespects me every day. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, oh my god, this thing. But you know, the Cuyahoga has similar turns, and okay. and so it's fun to practice. But um, one of the it took so long for us to get to the top that one of the women in in the boat had to go to the bathroom so bad that I just said, here, just pee in my rag. So everybody else in the boat was like, oh my god, and she was like. I've had eight babies. I'm peeing in the rag. Yeah. I'm like, you go girl. And yeah. I mean, you got to do what that, you got to do. <laughs> exactly. But that river has also been on fire before too, you know, in the eighties, I think that river actually started on fire. So it was, a, you know, it's kind of a, it's a sketchy river. Wow. And dumping in, in the Chicago ditch that we roll in when we roll our doubles is, you know, you have to go home and do a Karen Silkwood bath sometimes, but <laughs> any, any regatta that has like a tremendous amount of wind. Fair. That's yeah. usually a lot of people's answers have to do with like very windy venues. So, yeah. Right. Well, you never know what's going to happen. Right. I think my funnest though was probably the Rockford one where we lost the wheel. Yeah. And then we, we were a brand new boat. I mean, like a, a boat of new rowers. We had a brand new Cox. And we raced against another boat that had higher erg scores than we did. And we spanked them. Nice. And that was, that was a pretty, I mean, by 16 seconds, that was a fun, that was a fun race because, you know, you think ergs are the ergs are it, but it turns out they're not there. It's a combination of a lot of things and erg pieces and times are just one part of it that race was probably so much fun. I always think of the fun stuff, not like the horrible stuff, right? I was so pissed off after the race. I was sitting on the beat on the shoreline, just like fussing and, you know, like, I can't believe that we'd spent the whole summer trying to get to this stupid thing. And and then I I got home and I'm like, I I have like the itchy scratchies on my, (laughs) on the back of my legs. So I go to my doctor and he scrapes it to get a thing. And then I realized I sat on the shoreline of the um, head of the Charles and picked up poison oak, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, keep your imaginations running, gals, because that's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) The last thing was at the Charles, my first Charles, I passed a kidney stone, which was terrible. And oh I didn't know I was going to pass it. Obviously, I got nauseous and I was throwing. I felt like I was going to throw up. And kidney stones, like, they march across your kidney and it's painful. And then they just, like, chill out for a while. So I think, well, maybe I'm fine. And then all of a sudden, it started marching. <gasps> and my brother, my brother had passed away. And he was the strongest person I know. And my Native American culture, I was like, I, I, need, I need your strength. I, I have, I don't want to wreck this race for the eight other women that have been training and I couldn't like not do it. So when we got up to this, to the boat, we had hands on and I still had a lot of pain, but I just jumped in the boat and we rode up to the startup. And, um, when the horn went off, we took off and we did pretty well. I got out of the boat. Um, smiled for a picture and went to Boston Mass for um, for a kidney stone. 
You raced ahead of the oh Charles God. with a kidney stone. <laughs> Wait, what you know a that bad ass speaks to the, <laughs> the team, right? I mean, you 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 don't want to let down because they can't. It's not like any other regatta where you could just throw somebody else in a seat and have them be cleverly disguised as you. It, you had to be in it. And I have a picture of me in a police car in the back waiting for one of my teammates to take me to the hospital. And the cop was like, "Well, why don't you just?" I I started checking doors because I needed to lie down, and so I just found a random truck that was open. And so I just laid in the back seat and I was just, you know, like writhing in pain. And my spouse came up and she was like, where do you, um, whose car is this? And I'm like, I have no idea. And she goes, well, how did you get in? I'm like, it was just unlocked and I needed to lie down. And so the cop comes over and she says to him, well, she needs to go to the emergency room. And the cop says, well, why don't you just take this car? And she goes, well, it's not that our car. And he goes, well, who's in it? She goes, I, I don't know. We just got in it. And he goes, la, la, because we're like, we're basically breaking and entering into an unknown vehicle. But, but he was very cool about it. So yeah, the kidneys don't maybe. That, was, that wasn't that much fun. But I did wow, it. that is an adventure. Yeah, that is... thank you, my brother. Just, I just need, I, you need to help me right now. I thought, and, I mean, in Native American, we would say I, I spoke to all my elders or their grandfathers or their grandmothers. And that's what I was doing. Like, I just got inside myself and I was just praying to all my elders. I need strength. And we put a feather on our boat. You know, I always do that. I put a feather on the bow ball. So I still have that. It was kind of fun. But it was the ER wasn't that much fun. No. <laughs> well, what a general place to visit. <laughs> it's a, it's a good hospital. <laughs> wow what a story to cap it off on Simone thank you so much for joining us I we will have to have you back because I have like a million more questions about just like your life now yeah. so I'm glad we got to highlight the team but next time we're gonna just talk to you about you because wow right. absolutely. thank you so much you guys you've been I, I had no idea what to expect but it was super fun when, I don't even know when I can watch this or listen to it I guess yeah well we'll have everything done I'll I'll send you along the Instagram if you haven't seen it yet but be prepared for some pretty pretty wild stuff I mean I started when I was like 22 right out of, like my my senior year of college and uh it's it's a little wild <laughs> I love that I obviously you can tell like I'm probably a kindred spirit <laughs> Yeah. I, I yeah. have a bit of a twisted sense of humor and, and <laughs> I fun. Awesome. So thanks awesome. for your time. Of no, course. thank you so, so much for joining us. We're, we're so appreciative and, and I'm excited to, to have you back in the future. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, gals. Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to the Gay Ergos podcast. If you like what you hear, share with your friends. Uh, follow, like, subscribe. Shoot me a DM. Shoot us a DM. Um, we've got a lot of love recently, so um, that's been really wonderful. Keep it coming. Stay fun. Stay queer. Make fast boats. Woo!